0: what we want to be able to do uh, in these moments about once a month or so is have a conversation as as elders and leaders in your church. And and the elders um, as we talked about several weeks ago and you can go back and listen to the message uh, are here to help lead, to guide God's a gift to the church like Jesus. To help point you and help point each other to what it means to follow Him. And so we just want to recognize that this is a, kind of a tense time for our country, to say the least, with an election coming up a week from Tuesday. And if you're like me, you probably have wondered or thought, man, how do we as the church respond to this? This is an election like no other, where you're looking at both sides and saying, I don't really know what to do, um, or it's just difficult in that. And so we just, as, as your leaders, want to be able to have just an honest conversation about how do we, as the church, as the people of God, and as this church, respond to that. And so, um, Pastor Mike, Pastor Jeff, I'm going to ask them just some different questions and lead through a, a short discussion uh, before we close our time this morning. I, I feel like I need to take off the bat not to call each other names or, you know, say anything. I, mean, I don't know if I need to sit in front of you in light of the debates and all that. But uh, just to get started, <laughs> uh, just to get started, Pastor Mike, why don't you just talk to us for a minute, um, or Jeff, talk to us about what is government, and what role does government play in the life of a believer? And how do we respond to that?
1: That's a great question. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do a plug for our elders' letter. If you guys haven't received the the weekly e-letter, you've got our website on the main page. We have written a series of letters. And I think Pastor Jeans comes out this week, answering a lot of these questions in detail. So, so go back and read those, and look for those if you haven't read those. But you know, I, th- I think for me, we have to go back to the authority of God's word and and I would recommend for you guys to go back and read uh, Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. It's probably one of the more clear texts in Scripture that, that speaks about all government is established by God. All government is under God's authority. And I think during election time, we, we have to remember, we have to remind ourselves of that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, have to, we have to make sure that it seems everything is crashing down around us, that, that God is sovereign over all these things. He's created those things. And... There's another text that I that I found in uh, Corinthians. i will read this to you guys. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And Paul's kind of wrapping up the letter. And at the end, he says this. He says, listen, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So, so regardless of our government, uh, our government is a gift. that We're laboring for the Lord underneath the authority of that government, right? That, that our brothers and sisters in persecuted countries are laboring for the gospel under uh, communist governments and under dictatorships. So, so I think Romans reminds us listen, God is always sovereign. He's always in charge of these things. And, and this was written during a time when there were some really, really bad dudes mm-hmm. over Christ and, and his followers and, and, and over the church. They were some bad, bad governments, far worse than we can imagine. Yeah. And so we need to be reminded of, of that context during, during this
0: yeah when you think about the political climate, if you want to call it that of early Christendom, uh, what we are walking through and the freedoms that we 've been given in America, where we might just lose you know our tax exemption status is just totally different than what they walked through when when he was saying that on your on your authority so uh, Pastor Mike. I think there's two ditches that we're prone to fall into when it comes to this kind of stuff. One is, you know, we look and we watch the media and there's so much fear that's, that's built in there and it just creates anxiety in your heart and it can really quickly. We know and we believe that God is in control but we just we worry for ourselves, we worry for our kids and the generation they're going to grow up and so anxiety is one area. Another is we recognize that and we're part of a different kingdom God's people have always been on the fringes. That's not an abnormal thing. That's normal. The Bible says that. And so for some people, it's easy to go into the other ditch, which is just apathy. Like, what's going to happen? It's going to happen. God's in control. I'm just going to kind of ignore it and live my life. And I think those are both ditches that the Bible wouldn't affirm. So how do we manage anxiety versus apathy as we look into the election?
2: And I want to say, too, this election has been different for me personally because for the first time as a dad— I have a son, 18 years old, who now is ready to vote, so I've seen this election differently because my son gets to vote for the very first time. And I wish it were a little different <laughs> in who he had to vote for, to be honest, as his first time to vote. So it can be two reactions. You can think of it as the hand-wringing reaction, oh, the world is coming to an end, and I'm so anxious. Or it can be the hold-up-your-hands reaction, I'm just done with it all, and I'm going to retreat and move to... Wherever pick somewhere, right so there's this withdrawal mindset. neither one of those is really biblical. So think of it this way, I think we need to be honest with each other too. if if the only hope you and I had was who is going to win the election a week from now and all our hope was in that, we've got real reason to be anxious yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got real reason to put my head on the pillow at night and go, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Neither can it. I we, we have real reason to be anxious, especially as a dad, grandparent. So there's reason for anxiety. However, however, listen, as the people of God, let's hold to what's absolutely true. So do we respond with anxiety or do we respond with what's true? So listen to this. Paul says this, as Jeff said. In the culture where the leaders were not elected officials, they were not pursuing great character, they were not trying to hold out religious freedom, they were burning Christians at the stake. Mm-hmm. And Paul says this, but our citizenship is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And we, the people of God, eagerly wait for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul makes a very clear statement. Listen, your citizenship is in a kingdom It's not going to totter. And it's really not dependent on which party wins the next election. Amen. Hold to that reality. We are citizens of a greater kingdom. Amen. And then straight out of the book of Daniel, I, I love this. Daniel, which is all about a wicked leader who God humbled, Nebuchadnezzar, and some other things that go on there. But he says in Daniel 4:17, says, the most high. Is ruler over the realm of mankind, and he bestows it on whom he wishes and sets it over the lowliest of men. in other words, come November nine i don 't have to wring my hands and fall into great worry oh i can 't believe whoever is president and whoever is not president. Daniel says, the most high God is ruler hmm. over the realm of mankind, regardless who sits in the Oval Office of the United States of America. Hmm. So, anxiety, fear, wringing the hands can come when I hold on to a truth other than the eternal truth of God's Word. We need to hold on to that. And then the other reaction is equally unacceptable of retreat and withdrawal. Well, I'm just going to bow out. I'm not going to be active. And I'm not... Well, Jesus does not give you that opportunity. Jesus to his disciples, just like Jeff said, and really a very rough culture. Said, you are the salt. Mm-hmm. You are the light. He didn't say, would you consider being the light? He said, you are the light. He said, you are the salt. We know what salt does. Salt is a preservative. Salt creates hunger. Salt adds flavor. So the more corrupt and wicked a culture becomes, watch this, the greater need for salt to be salt. Yeah. That's who we are. And the darker a culture becomes, the greater the light can shine. That kind of sounds kind of churchy, like some the <laughs> preacher always say. And we get all nervous. Well, it's getting darker, it's getting darker, it's getting darker. Man, what an opportunity for the light of the gospel. That's so good. What an opportunity for the light of the gospel.
0: Yeah, You mentioned, I'll kick this back to Jeff, you mentioned character in this. Um, one of the things that's unique about this election is that we see uh, a lot of missing character in both candidates. And we know that no matter which of those candidates become the president, they're not going to hold to the authority of God's word. So, kind of even going a little bit more on the question that you answered first, but honing in, how do we as God's people respond to bad leadership?
1: Yeah, great question. You know, there's a lot of holes in my character before I met Jesus. And I think, for me, it's a good reminder that no one should be past the good news of the gospel. Hmm. And, and you know, for us to criticize, or demean, to speak ill of other people who are made in God's image, I don't think is biblical. So I think for me, uh, the more I'm concerned about a particular candidate, the more I should pray for them. I should pray that, that, that their heart changes, that their soul changes. Um, that that can be sometimes difficult to do. And, and certainly we see a lot of character flaws. And, and okay, how do I submit to someone who's, whose character is flawed? Well, we read the text today in 1 Timothy 6 even. And, and the Bible is constantly talking about submitting to your leaders, submitting to authority, be salt and light, as Mike talked about, serve as examples. Uh, Paul even talks about, you know, kind of going about your life quietly mm-hmm. and living a good life and, and working as unto the Lord. We have to be reminded, I think, of those biblical texts. And, you know, if you go back and read in, in Acts, early Church, there's a lot of persecution. And, and, and Peter and some of the early disciples, you know, they said they, they counted it the joy to be flawed. You know, they didn't even really ask, pray that we get out of prison, pray that we don't get beaten. They they, they said, listen, the gospel takes priority over whatever the government says. We are to spread the gospel. We are to talk about Jesus, regardless of what the government says. But we're willing to endure the consequences of that. Right. We still submit to the punishment of the government, loss of our tax status, uh, loss of prayer in school. But everything you think is happening, it doesn't matter when we're focused on being salt and lime. And we're saying, we are to be ambassadors for christ we are to be ministers of reconciliation in all these spheres knowing that god is still sovereign over all the events of the earth mm-hmm. over all the governments on the earth over everything that happens as in colossians jesus is preeminent he's given all authority so as christians we have to be uh, reminded of that We're reminded that that really this life is not our own yeah uh, we we belong to christ in, in a and, it's, and the Bible says a bond servant. We are we were once slaves to darkness and sin, and never a bond servant of Jesus Christ. And, and so we have to remember that. So I thought about this. So even for my kids, when maybe they had a problem in school or somebody's bothering them. Pray for your enemy. That's right. Pray for those who persecute you. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't say stand up for your own rights. It doesn't say really complain. It doesn't say gospel about them. It says pray for them.
2: So, so I think the challenge for us is, is to pray for them
0: recognize they're not believers. And we don't expect them to have the Holy Spirit in them. So last question to you, Mike, and then we'll we'll close in in prayer. Um, Again, this is a unique election in that for the the first time that I can remember, there's never been a divide in the base like before of which party am I going to vote for And even within the church, a divide. And so you have people in the same body that are going to vote different ways on this. And that can be uh, a breeding ground for just disunity. Um, And so how do we as the people of God in a family of faith who there are going to be people in this room who vote differently than each other, how do we walk into the same life groups and live on missional community when we may not see eye to eye on this?
2: Yeah, so here's a better question maybe. Is it possible for believers to disagree on political issues? So let me give you an example. Ready? Jesus called 12 men to himself. One of them was named Matthew. You know who Matthew worked for?
0: The Roman (laughs) government. government.
2: (laughs) He was a tax collector. Another man that Jesus called was a guy named Simon. And the Bible says that Simon was a zealot. You know what he wanted to do? He wanted to destroy the Roman government. So Jesus said, hey, we're all going to be on the same team. And they totally disagreed politically. I mean, they were on extremes. And I think that's just so beautiful that Jesus, Jesus knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He didn't call Simon, and Simon goes, Oh, by the way, was I didn't know that. You didn't know what was <laughs> on. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. I even think when Jesus sent him out two by two, just for fun, he said, Hey, Matthew, you're going with Simon. <laughs> <laughs> you guys work it out. <laughs> Listen, you know why Jesus did that? I mean, I think one of the reasons Jesus did that. Here's a statement I wrote down: In this time of election where we may differ on some issues, the point is our unity as believers is much greater. And watch. is much greater than a political party affiliation. It is much greater than the color of our skin. And by the way, it's even greater than our nationality.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Our unity as believers is even greater than the fact that we're Americans. It's even greater than the fact that we may be white Americans in the South who vote Republican most of the time. It's, great. it's so much better, bigger and bigger and bigger than that. And I would just say this. Make sure the issues that you might tend to divide over, that you are informed from a biblical perspective and not just a Republican or a Democrat or a Southern or a white or whatever you may be perspective. It is my perspective being driven by a kingdom biblical perspective. And our time is up. I can give you 100 illustrations. I'll give you one real quick. The Syrian refugee crisis. It's really easy to look at that from an American perspective. Are you looking at that from a kingdom gospel perspective of thousands and thousands and thousands of people who have their voice together? That's right. Are you looking at it from a kingdom or an American or Republican perspective? If we're looking at it from kingdom perspectives, it's going to unify us. It's going to unify so us.
0: So we want to, as we approach the election, we want to live from a kingdom perspective. Remember that God is in control.